Um, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, but remain seated and also find Matthew chapter 19. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 5. And so I'm going to ask you to remain seated. We'll stand for in a moment for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, find that. And then Matthew 19, uh, later on in the message, we're going to go to that. Um, and while you're turning over there, um, Brother Cole and his wife, Miss Donna Cox, uh, recently moved back to the area. And we're very excited that they did. They have been attending, attending by live stream for some time. Uh, they knew more about what was going on in the church than a lot of you did just by watching live stream. Oh, I'm just kidding. Come on, don't get that. I can't believe preachers said something like that anyway. Anyway, we're thankful. And uh, they have desire to unite with Riverside Baptist Church to become a part in the membership of Riverside Baptist Church. Would you mind stand, Brother Cox, Mrs. Cox, if you would just stand for a moment. You in just a moment, Skylar. I'll get you in just a moment. Sit down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Get off my lawn. Anyway, that's, a, that's terrible. That's terrible. But we're very thankful that the Lord led uh, Brother Cole and Miss Donna to the church, and, and they desire uh, to become members by their, their Christian testimony. Um, all those members that are in favor of receiving them into the membership of Riverside Baptist Church, would you just say amen? amen. Anybody opposed to that? Like, son? That is wonderful. That's a great thing. Please be seated. Thank you very much. And we'll give them a right hand of fellowship in a little while. Now, Brother Scott, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, now he's going, I don't know if I want to join the church anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Skyler also has a great testimony of being saved, but he's never been scripturally baptized. And so he wants to join the church also today by baptism. And uh, we're excited about that. And so all those that are willing to accept him in the membership will baptize at the end of the service, accept him in the membership by baptism. Would you just say amen? amen? Anybody opposed to that? Wonderful. We look forward to that. Thank you, Skyler. Thank you very much. For that, I, you know, I am, I just, it's just, it always just, I'm just, I love what God does. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Mercy. Oh boy. Uh, I wished I was all polished and knew all the right things to say all the time, but <clears throat> this is what you get right here. I'm sorry. This is it. This is as good as it gets around this place. Anyway, Matthew chapter five. Did you find that? Why don't you stand with me for the reading of the word of God? In honor of his word, I appreciate your willingness to do that. Unless you're not well able to stand, and then God understands that. He knows all about that. So, I mean, don't, don't feel like you have to stand if you're not well able to stand, because God understands that. We, we stand in honor of the reading of God's perfect word. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, Unto Jesus, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. 
for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now we're going to focus on verse number 6 this morning where, where Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I titled the message this morning, Are You Running on Empty? Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, your amazing grace simply is amazing. I hope I never lose the wonder of my own salvation. And then, of course, seeing other people saved along the way. It's just, you you are a great, gracious, wonderful, merciful, long-suffering, caring Heavenly Father. And we could not begin to thank you enough for that right now. We come to you now because we're needy. There's no way that I can do what I need to do standing behind this sacred desk with this book in front of me unless you help me. And so we petition you for that even right now, God. We, we pray that you'd give us the power, the unction, the boldness just to say what needs to be said. Lord, that we would uh, preach this message in such a way that it would do the work that you mean for it to do. And we do pray for the listeners. We pray for those that are here and those that are at home. We pray, that, Lord, you, you would capture their attention by your Holy Spirit. And we do pray for those that are lost. We pray that you would convince them that their greatest need is Christ. And Lord, that they might come to the saving knowledge of Christ even today. We need your help. We're trusting you for that. And ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. And please do be seated. <clears throat> of course, our theme for the year is New Beginnings. And then the, the, the title of this series is Beginning with the Beatitudes, because I can't think of any better place to begin if we're truly going to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean disciples, learners, those that are committed to follow him, those that are committed to learn from him, and not only learn, you know, where we could pass a test if it, it was given, but also to, also to uh, commit to do the things that we hear. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, and, and, and so... So, well, I tell you, we, we have this chance. We have this chance with God over and over again to start over, to start over, new beginnings, start over, start over. Preacher, I'm just, I'm telling you, my, my Christian life has just not been what it should be. Well, then new beginnings, I mean, start over and listen to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and let it go down to the innermost depths of your soul and, and decide to live the way that God would have you to live. I'm telling you, there's no greater, there is nothing greater in, in, in there's, we don't have any greater chance than just taking heed to what God says and applying it to our life. It's, it's no, no, it's absolutely life-changing. We're in a classroom setting here with Jesus. I mean, he's, multitudes are following him, and he leaves the multitudes, goes, goes, goes up on the side of a mountain, sits down. His disciples, the twelve, they go up there with him. They sit down, and he begins to teach them, the twelve, the true disciples, the ones that want to know, the ones that really want to follow him. The ones that are interested in knowing what he has to say. Well, at least 11 of them. Come on, because we know Judas was a traitor from the beginning, right? 
Judas was just along for the ride. He, he wanted the good that he could get out of it, but he really didn't want to make a commitment. I mean, he stayed there, but his heart was never in it. Are y'all still with me here? His heart was never in it. And I'm telling you, we can come to church until the cows come home. But if our heart's not in it, we're not going to get anything from it. We have to desire this. We have to want this. God, have you ever heard this before when you're trying to just trying to, to share Jesus Christ with somebody? Don't you try to stuff that stuff down my throat. Well, if I'm trying to share Christ, I'm not trying to stuff anything down anybody's throat. I can't save anyone. I can't make them get saved. I, I, I understand all of that. God doesn't try to stuff things down our throat. That's not the way He works. He lays them out there, and then we decide what we're going to do with it. And the only reason we get to feeling like, well, they're just trying to make me, and they think I should, and they're trying to stuff this stuff, and he don't think I'm, and all this stuff. You know what makes us think like that? And I'm already getting way ahead of myself. You know what makes us think like that? Our, our rotten flesh. Our desire to do what we want to do instead of what God would have us to do. Truly. So we're up here, we have this opportunity to learn. I mean, would you, be a really, uh, would you be willing to agree with me that one of the biggest problems that we have as born-again children of God is our flesh? And the reason for that is because this old nature continues to hunger for the things of the world. It, it, it hungers for, for those things. However, we're taught over in the book of Ecclesiastes that all that is in this world is vanity. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Oh, preacher, vanity of vanities, what's that all about? Well, you know, one of the best ways I've ever heard that described is like this. Soap bubbles, soap bubbles. All is soap bubbles. I mean, there they are. And they may catch your eye. And they may be beautiful for a time, but they're not worth anything. And they'll never last. Something that is vain is empty. It's like nothingness. And Solomon wrote about that in his journey trying to find fulfillment in, in, a, in a plethora of things. And he said this, knowledge and learning, vanity. Pleasure, laughter, wine, vanity. Riches, wealth, possessions, vanity. Lust, fulfilling his fleshly appetites, vanity because it all left him empty all of it left him empty in fact he said you might as well be trying to fill up on the wind and even if it were possible to ingest the wind there's no way that it would ever fill you up or satisfy an empty stomach and i can promise you that neither will the empty things of this life they'll not satisfy They'll not fulfill. Uh, no, 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 no. Come on, you can look around you even today and see people that are living in, with the abundance of things of this world and yet they are empty and unhappy everywhere you go. Many that have had much more than you or me have ended their own lives because of the things that their money had bought them, had left them unsatisfied unfulfilled no fulfillment 
But then, then, hallelujah, there's Jesus' way. And in verse number 6, he said that we can be filled. We can be satisfied, is what he's talking about there. We can be satisfied. Well, who, preacher? Come on, Brother Marshall. Who? Who is it that can live like that? Well, Jesus said it, and I'm trusting him. He said, those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness are going to be filled, going to be fulfilled. Those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And we have to remember this. In the Beatitudes, we're not talking about the things of the world. And we know that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So we're not talking about the things of the world. The things that we're learning here have to do with our soul. We're looking at spiritual things. We're looking at, we're looking at things that most of this world has no desire for whatsoever. They don't desire these. Come on, that's why he's just teaching the 12 at this point. That's why he didn't stay down there and try to teach the whole multitude of people that were following him. Because most of them had no desire for that. They wanted what, they wanted what Jesus could do for them. They wanted to be healed. They wanted food. They wanted shelter. I mean, they wanted all the good things. They wanted to see the miracles. All those things. But they didn't care about the spiritual. We're looking at things that many, many a church across our country will never bring up for fear of running off their crowd. They won't even bring things like this up. We're talking about much more here than just being a better you. So much more. This stuff is for those that have decided that they're going to be followers of Jesus. They're going to be true disciples. Well, okay. Okay, preacher, fine. Okay, so what's this righteousness stuff all about? I mean, you know, blessed are, blessed are they, that, uh, they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. What's this righteousness stuff all about then? I mean, what is Jesus talking about when he mentions righteousness right here? Well, the first thing that comes to most people's minds when righteousness is mentioned is the theological term. They, they want to think in the way of, of, of the theological term of, of all of this. But truly, there are three types of righteousness, three different kinds of righteousness. Number one, there's imputed righteousness. What's that? Well, when we trust Christ as our personal Savior, at that very instant, at that very instant when we trust Christ as our Savior, we are justified. We're justified. What does that mean? Well, a very simple explanation is this. Just as if I had never sinned. Come on. At the age of 27, as a junkie, as a, as a dopehead, as, 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 a, as a wine-bibber, I, I mean, I, I, I got on my knees. I trusted Christ as my Savior. He saved my soul. And just like that, in the sight of God, it was like I had never sinned before. Okay, it doesn't excite you, but it, it did me. Absolutely so. See, what happens, God deposits Christ's righteousness onto our account. It, it's about Him. In James chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible says, And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So once we trust Christ as our Savior, we have imputed righteousness. 
And then number two, there is imparted, imparted righteousness. And that speaks of our sanctification. By the way, sanctification is still a, it's a, still a, a big doctrine of the Bible. And this is the practical part that causes the changes in our lives where we will live differently. I mean, to live righteously. Because that salvation, when we truly trust Christ, we're given the whole, we're, we are given the Holy Spirit, and He works in our life, helping us, helping us to be more Christ-like. No, I'm telling you, it's the Holy Spirit of God, once you're saved, that continues to prompt us and help us to live right. So we have imputed righteousness, and then we have imparted righteousness, and number three, there's eternal righteousness. Now, this is our glorification. It is that standing that we have in Christ, uh, that standing that we have with God in Christ, after we have trusted Christ as our Savior, that can never be changed. Okay, I don't perfectly understand it, but somewhere, somehow, we as believers are sitting with Christ in the heavenlies. (laughs) Ephesians 2 4 says but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so Look, we could go back and we could review all three of these and talk hours about them. That scared some of you. We're not going to do it. We're not. No, 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 we're not going to do it. But we won't. We're we're not going to do that. Instead, instead, let's be very practical this morning. Because this is a very practical book. Come on. The theology in that book is so deep, you and I never get to the depths of it. Ever. And not that we shouldn't study that at times. Absolutely so. We should. We should. But let's, let's, let's be very practical this morning and talk about righteousness for a few minutes. Righteousness means to be right. I, I mean, it means to do right. It, it means to live right with God. Do right. Okay, let me ask you a question. If I were to ask you the last time that your flesh prompted you to do something for God, you just sit there staring at me, I'm pretty sure. The last time my flesh asked me to do something good for God? But if I were to ask you about the times that your flesh prompts you to do something that would be against what the Bible teaches, most everyone would be able to give some sort of an answer. Not that I would ask for that. But most everyone would be able to give some sort of answer there. Our flesh prompts us to do something that we know we shouldn't do. To say something we know we shouldn't say. To look at something we know we shouldn't look at. 
to go somewhere we know we shouldn't go. To do something we just know we shouldn't do. Our flesh does not have a natural desire to be righteous. Our flesh does not have a natural desire to do that which is right in the sight of God. Then what is it that's going to cause us to hunger and thirst after righteousness? What is it? Well, actually, it's not a what, it's a who. Because when you got saved, if you are saved by the grace of God, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, righteous personified moved into you by the Holy Spirit of God. Righteousness lives in me. And it lives in you if you're saved. It lives in us. Come on, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. No, come on. Come on, stay with me. We're either living by the faith of the Son of God, this, or we're just living the way we want to. It's just a fact. No, I'm not trying to be ugly toward anybody. It's just, it's just a truth. It's just a fact. Hebrews chapter two, verse uh, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse fourteen says, "Follow peace with all men in holiness or righteousness, without which no man shall see the Lord." When the Holy Spirit of God moves in at at salvation, He is the one that puts us in pursuit of righteousness. Look, I got saved as a junkie. I didn't care about church. I didn't even know anything about church. I didn't care about church. I didn't care about God. I didn't care about the Bible. I didn't care about anything that had to do with God whatsoever. But all of a sudden, I'm wanting to read the Bible. And all of a sudden, I'm wanting to go to a church service. And all of a sudden, I'm wanting to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, I'm wanting to put all these things aside that had been my life for so many years. And that wasn't Bill Marshall that prompted that. I can promise you because I loved all those things I used to do at that point. But then God saved my soul and it was like, you need to go a different direction. Wasn't me. It was him. And now all these years later, he's prompting me. You don't need to go that way. You need to go this way. No, no, you need to get that stuff out of your brain. No, no, don't you even start looking over there. Uh, No, you better bite your tongue before you let that come out of your mouth. Come on, surely I'm not the only wicked sinner in this place. But I'm thankful we have a loving, caring God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and He does prompt us to keep doing right. Even when we fail along the way, He is there to say, Get up, I'll help you up, I'll dust you off, I'll clean you up, you just need to get back on track. He's there. Come on. I got away from God for 14 months after I got saved. I hate that part of my testimony. But I did. I got away from God. But mercy's sakes alive, he never left me alone. He just kept saying, come home, son. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Then he laid me flat on my back where all I could hear was him and see was him. Because he loved me that much. He continued. No, 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 no. He got me to a place where I knew that I really needed to come home. He's the one that prompted that. 
And he's the one that continues to prompt that now, every day of my life. He's the one working. I'm telling you this, no, 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 here is a great truth. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you now have, get this, you now have the capability to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I said you now have the capability to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I had no idea what the Bible said when I got saved, very little, if anything. But man, oh man, God gave me the capability to hunger after doing the right thing. He gave me that. There are those that try to say, stay with me here, there are those that, 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 that say, that say, come on, pastor, come on, man. You know, I, I, I'm trying to listen to you, pastor, but you know, <laughs> Some believers have that, and some just don't have that. You know, that hunger, that, you know, some have that, some don't. And I guess I just, <laughs> I guess I just happen to be one of those that don't. To which I must reply, I'm sorry, you're wrong. That is simply not possible. Okay, I'm not scared. I'll say it again. There's those that say that, that profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But they really have no desire whatsoever to go God's way. And it's like, you know, well, you know, boy, I'm glad you got that preacher. But, you know, I, I, I got saved, but I, I really, I've never had that. You know, some of us just don't have it. And I guess I'm one of them. And I just have to say again, uh, you're wrong. That's impossible. Because something as big as God, the Holy Spirit, does not move inside of you without it prompting you to do something different. Are y'all still with me here? It's fact. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about being stuck in some religion where you're given these lists of things that you better be doing because if you don't do these, you can't be absolved in the end and you're going to end up in that hot place down there. I'm not talking about being stuck in some religion. I'm talking about being truly born again by the Spirit of God. Because when we are born again by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God does actually come to live inside of us. And He is the one that convicts us. He is the one that prompts us. He is the one that guides us through His Word. He is the one that illuminates the Bible and makes us really understand it. He is the one that helps us to have victory in our life. And I'm telling you, if you've never Never experienced that, you probably need to get saved. Well, who do you think you are? I'm just a messenger. No, I'm just a messenger. But you can't read and study your Bible and come up with any other conclusion than that. Well, preacher, I tell you, you know, I, I know that I'm saved, but I've been away from God, and, you know, it's not like you can't get away from God. I didn't say you can't get away from God. I already said that there was a time I was away from God. Sure, you can get away from God. And yes, you can get so callous that uh, you don't even pay attention when He prompts your heart to do the right thing. You can get there. It's not a good place to be, but you can get there. B 
But if you're truly saved, He's going to continue. He's going to prompt you here and there. There is going to be that still small voice at times that says, you know you shouldn't be doing that. You know you shouldn't be living like that. Absolutely. And man, my heart's desire is not everybody be wrapped up in some religion. My heart's desire is that everybody would know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because without knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we will die and go to hell. There's a real hell. Now, I know a lot of preachers don't like to talk about it anymore, but it's a real place. You know, fire and brimstone, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not. A place of eternal torment. A place of eternal punishment. No, it's a real place. That people that don't know Christ as their Savior will spend eternity in. I can't believe you'd even tell people that. I can't believe there's preachers that won't tell people that. It's a fact. It's the truth. People need to know it. And we need to know that we know that we're saved by the grace of God. Look, there are those that can play the game and continue to play the game and continue to play the game and continue to play the game. And some of them, I don't doubt at all, Brother Joey, play the game right until they die and go to hell. And they own a Bible and they go to church and they put money in the plate and they serve around the church. Well, preacher, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Well, let me tell you a story. You got time? <laughs> good friend of mine, good pastor friend of mine, got in touch with me and asked if I would be willing to meet with a family in his church because their son was having some problems. And he thought that I could address those well. And I said, I'd be more than happy to do that. Absolutely so. Yep. So we arranged the meeting, and they came down. And I sat, and I talked to the son. Mom and dad were there for about an hour, trying to help them, trying to prompt them, trying to, trying to help him to do the right thing, make the right choices. Talked to him about knowing for sure that he's saved by the grace of God. Gave him, gave him the gospel of John with a, a plan of salvation in front of it. Told him to read over that just sure he is saved so I finished talking with him pray with them they're leaving son goes out mom goes out dad's hanging back he said preacher can I talk to you for a minute sure absolutely shut the door and he looks at me he said you know you were talking about 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 being saved and all that and he looked at me and he said I'm not saved now we're talking about a man that was a deacon He's been serving in the church for years and years. He's a good man. Knows a lot of Bible. Trying to raise his family in church, do the right thing. He said, I'm not saved. He said, you're talking to my son about being saved. And the Holy Spirit said, you're not saved. You've never truly trusted Christ. He said, Preacher, I was just wondering if you would pray with me and, and I want to get saved. 
And, and I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, I mean, God was in that room, and I, I mean, tears just started running down my face, and I said, heavens to Betsy, yes, let's pray now. Let's get her done. He's getting baptized this morning. Because uh, baptism always comes after salvation. He's getting baptized this morning. I told my Sunday school class, they'll probably have to vote on him as a deacon again. <laughs> he didn't have the witness of the Holy Spirit. He said, I was in VBS vacation Bible school when I was about eight years old. And, and before I know it, I'm down front and they're saying something. And that's the place I've always gone back to. But... I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kept going back to that spot. And it was glorious. Uh, no, his preacher contacted me. He is excited to no end. Hallelujah to our great God. I'm not trying to take any credit for this. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I was talking to the boy. I'm talking to the boy. God's talking to the dad. He's been in church forever. And got saved Friday night. That's our great God. That's what He wants for all of us. He doesn't want us to be stuck in some religious circle. He doesn't want us to be in some dead religion. He doesn't want us... Listen to me, please. He doesn't want us just trying to be better. Well, I'm just trying to be better. Well, once we're saved by the grace of God, He helps us be better. It's not about us trying to be better. It's about going to the one who paid our sin debt. And then allowing Him to make us better. And we better know that we know that we know that we've trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We better know. And I'm telling you, once, <laughs> once God moves in, it's different. It's different. And if you've never experienced that difference... Friend, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ died for you. He shed His own blood. He was buried for three days, but He rose again. He paid your sin debt and my sin debt. And He says, come unto me. I'm telling you. No, 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 no. The Bible says that salvation is repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that we would turn to God, that our heart would turn to God and we would put our faith and trust in Christ. He'll save us just like that. Yeah. And if Jesus Christ is living in you by the Holy Spirit of God, you have that, uh, you have that which enables you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Some people don't hunger and thirst after righteousness because they're so filled up with the things of this world. I, I, I'm really getting to a point, mercy sakes alive, Bill Marshall. I'm really getting to a point where I hate to see a smartphone in the hands of a teenager. I would say in the hands of an adult, but you guys get mad at me. So, 
Because there is so much of the world that comes through those things. And I have watched it completely change the attitude of a teenager once it ends up in their hand. Completely changed their spirit. Completely changed their attitude. And they're so full of the things of the world that they don't hunger and thirst after doing right and righteousness. They don't have any desire for that because they're so full of the things of the world. We have to be careful. We have to be careful with ourselves, but mercy, shouldn't we be a hundred times more careful with our children? Well, preacher, you know, I don't want to be a bad parent. I'm telling you, keeping things of the world away from your children is not being a bad parent. That's good preaching if I am doing it. Okay. On with the practical. We're doing good. We really are. Think about hungering and thirsting. Stay with me just a few more minutes here. Think about hungering and thirsting for a minute. Hungering and thirsting, hungering and thirsting are not luxuries in this life. They're necessities. If you've never hungered, if you if you never did hunger, you would never eat. And if you didn't eat, you wouldn't live. Well, that's real deep, isn't it? If you never thirsted, you wouldn't drink. Excuse me. And if you didn't drink, you'd get dehydrated. And the end of all of that would be death. Can't live without drink. So hunger and thirst are normal desires, which we have from birth. From birth. Pardon me. To not hunger and thirst is not normal. It's not normal. Come on, we're talking about practically. It's not normal. We have babies in this church that many times a day, they're looking for nourishment. They want something to eat. They want something to drink. It's normal. It's natural. And if someone doesn't have an appetite for food or drink, something's wrong with them. Come on, someone loses their appetite and they don't want those things. When a person is sick, a lot of times they'll have no real appetite. They get sick, they don't, they don't have a real appetite. You don't want that when a person's sick. Come on, are you starting to see the practical application of the Scripture here at all? I'm telling you, when we are born, listen, when we are born, hunger and thirst are natural desires. And when we are born again by the Spirit of God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness is a supernatural desire. It's something only God can do. Think about this. When, when you were born with your earthly body, what, well, you had this earthly body, but in reality, you're a spiritual being. This body is just a vessel that carries us around. We're going to lose this one of these days. Hallelujah. No more scales. No scales in heaven. Your spirit's alive to God, and your soul needs spiritual food and water. Spiritual food and water to progress, to be healthy. (sighs) 
well, preacher, come on, man. I just don't have an appetite to read my Bible, you know, and I had no appetite really to memorize Scripture or, or to go to church, really, or to tell people about Jesus or to pray or to live a holy life or to seek God's will. I mean, you know, come on, come on. I mean, you understand all this, preacher. You, I just don't have that desire. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. You have no appetite for anything spiritual? That should bring up some red flags. No, that should disturb you. Because something's wrong in your life somewhere. Something's interfering. And there's really no need to beat around the bush here. If sin, if, if sin, if, if sin is, if a love for pleasure, if, if the things of this world and, 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 and self, if those are the things that dominate your life, if you're not hungry for anything spiritual, you're either very spiritually sick, you have allowed things to come in and fill you up, things of the world to fill you up, and you are very spiritually sick, or you're lost and on your way to hell, friend. See, it's your choice what manner of appetite drives you. It's your choice. God gave us free will. Absolutely so. So it's your choice. The appetite that drives you. Okay, turn over to Matthew 19. Come on, we're almost done. Don't don't quit on me now. Matthew 19. And look at verse 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, unto Jesus, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may, in, that I may have eternal life? What, what should I do that I can get this eternal life you're talking about? And he, Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus saith, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. Let me stop right there. Look up here for just a second. Liar. No, look, okay, okay, okay. I don't know why you keep stopping me like this, but... God gave us the Ten Commandments, and they are good guidelines to try to live by. Absolutely so. They're always relevant. But God gave us the Ten Commandments that, okay, you try to keep these, and if you keep these, then you can go to heaven. That's not why He gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave us the Ten Commandments to make us realize that we need Him. That we cannot be good enough to get to heaven. And so what does Jesus do? He starts quoting the Ten Commandments. You know? And this guy's so full of self-righteousness, he said, ah, I've done all that. <clears throat> I'm good there. Yep. Yep. Verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Verse 22. Watch it. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The, the young man wanted eternal life. He wanted that. He came looking for it. He wanted it. No, no, I believe that. He wanted eternal life. He wanted that. Um, 
but his riches were more important to him. Uh, okay, we, we could use any different different uh, many different scenarios for that. You know, you want to earn life. Well, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. You know, well then, you know, uh, you, you should be willing to turn your life to God. Well, you know, but 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 this over here is very important. This is more important to me than really putting my faith and trust in Christ. I, you know, I, but I, 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 I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got this. I, I don't want to let go of this. When I got saved by the grace of God, when I got saved by the grace of God, that morning in my apartment, in Longview, Texas, just a wicked sinner in need of a Savior, when I got down and I cried out to God, I know that my, I don't know what my exact prayer was. I knew that I, I was a sinner. I needed a Savior. I knew that Jesus was the answer. God had already convicted me of all of that. I, I, I knew all of that. And I don't know exactly what my prayer was, but I know it all came from my heart. I need you to save me. I need a Savior. I, need, I, I, I don't know what my exact prayer was, but I know what it wasn't. It wasn't this... Okay, Lord, I tell you, I'm going to quit smoking and drinking and cussing. I, I'm going to quit shooting dope. I'm going to quit going to bars. I, I'm going to quit fighting. I'm going I'm to quit all these things. And I'll quit all these things if you'll just save me. That was not my prayer. And really, the, that kind of stuff didn't go through my mind even. I just knew I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. And at that point, He was more important to me than anything else. That I would have Him. That He would save me. More important than anything else. Whatsoever. Nothing, 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 nothing. No, no, no. I was hungering after Him at that point. I I don't know if I'm following you, preacher. Look, someone who is really, really hungry, I mean really, 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 really hungry, is not wanting food and a new scooter. Someone that's truly thirsty doesn't want water and a new phone. They want those things that are going to sustain life. They're looking for food and water, period. Look, please get this. Please get this. If your thoughts, if your thoughts are toward... um, if your thoughts are toward trying to figure out how to, get this, if your thoughts are, are, are toward trying to figure out how to please Christ and yourself, then you're not hungry and thirsty for right. Well, I want to please God, but I want to please myself too. Um, you're not hungering and thirsting after right. Man, preacher, boy, brother, boy, pastor, Marshall, what? Man, boy, that's that's kind of hard stuff. I think that's what I said at the beginning of this message. That this stuff, no, 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 please stay with me. I'm right. I'm right. It done. How many times have I said that? I get to say it at least five times. This is the spiritual. No, no, this is not a self-help message. 
this is where Christianity, this is where the rubber meets the road. Well, I want God, but I just kind of want to throw him in there with the rest of my stuff, you know. Just, yeah, and that way I can go to him when I need him. Well, uh, that's not the way that God wants it to be. Uh, God wants and deserves to be number one. To be on the throne of our heart. To be the one that directs our life. To be the one... To be the one that decides what we do and what we don't do. To be the one that directs our every step. To be the one that guides our thoughts. Please listen to me this morning. If you do not desire God and you do not desire the Lord Jesus Christ, don't try to act like that's nothing important. Don't try to act like it's not a big deal. Well, preacher, it's just, it can't be that big of a deal. Look, if you're saved, God the Holy Spirit is in you, and He is trying, I promise you, friend, to lead you in the right way. And what's happening is you're resisting. I, I, I'm, I, I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm saying if you're not where you should be spiritually, you ought to come to the altar this morning and confess that the appetite, please, 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 and confess that the appetite, that your appetite for the flesh is stronger than your appetite for God. And, and then determine and do what you must do to get your spiritual appetite back. Whatever you have to cut out of your life, whatever you have to get out, whoever you have to get out, whatever you have to do, Come on, whatever you have to do that you would get your spiritual appetite back, it's more important than anything this world has to offer. There's moms and dads in here that you your spiritual appetite isn't even close to where it needs to be. And because of that, your children's spiritual appetite isn't what it needs to be. And I'm telling you, in the long run, you're going to pay for that and your children are going to pay for that too. Well, now you're threatening us? No, 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 no. There's no threat in that. I'm telling you the truth. Children learn what they live. They learn what they see. And if you're not loving God the way that you should love God, don't expect your children to walk the straight and narrow and love God the way that they are supposed to love God. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Look, once we give way to the Spirit of God and allow Him to work in our life the way which He desires to work in our life, our life will begin to be filled with righteousness. And there's something that, this is something that without Him, it will leave our hands empty and it will leave our hearts wanting. I mean, that vanity that Solomon talked about. We have to continually be on guard uh, to, to turn away from those things that leave us empty when, when, when it's just simply fleshly desires. I, I can do this. This will fulfill me. This will fulfill me. No, I'm telling you, it will leave you empty, but God can fill us. He, he is the one that can fill our desires. He is the one that can fill our desires for love and for wisdom and for peace. And that list goes on and on. We can be sure of this. He will never leave us empty and will fill our desire to be more like Christ. That's our God. 
that desire alone is sure to be fulfilled. And being fulfilled is sure to be blessed. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But only they shall. Blessed are those that hunger after uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness and the things of the world. They'll be filled. No, they won't. Well, preacher, I mean, we have lives to live, right? And you know, I'm pursuing my career. Absolutely so. I have nothing wrong with that, and God doesn't. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as He's first. As long as He is first. As long as He is first. I hope God's first in my life. Your life isn't showing it. And I'm telling you, those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll be filled, and 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 they'll be filled. Look, nobody says, well, I tell you what, preacher, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat today because I got full at breakfast yesterday. No. No. Over and over and over and over and over as we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled as we truly hunger and thirst after righteousness. The things on this earth cannot fulfill you, but Christ can. Christ can. So let me ask you a question, and I am done. Are you running on empty? Now, I'm not wanting an answer from you, but I'm wanting you to think and be honest with you, with yourself and with God. Are you running on empty? <clears throat> Why not come on down to the filling station this morning and ask God to fill your soul because He's the one that can. What is it in your life? Look up here, please. What is it in your life that keeps you from pursuing God the way you should? What is it? What's in the way? What's more important to you than that? What's more important to you? Why not just confess it and ask God to help you put Him first again in your life? Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for scripture such as this that confronts us face to face. I mean, it's in our face. It's in our face. And Lord, if we'll just listen to you, and if we will act upon that, there's so much you can do in our life. Those things that only you can do. If, if we will just respond Father, I pray for those in here that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I, I pray they would come even today. And give us an opportunity to help them to get to that place. To show them, to help them, to take a Bible and show them what they need to do to trust Christ before it's too late. And then I pray for the Christians in here, the believers in here, that have lost their hunger for you. I pray for them. I pray that they would come even this morning. That your spirit would move them 
that they'd get back to a place where you're more important than all the things around them. Help us, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, those watching by live stream. Help us be yielded to you this morning. Get back to that place that we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Bless this time of invitation, we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many have made their way to the altar. Piano's going to play. Cole's going to sing. Many are praying. You know you need to come. Hey, why don't you? Bow a knee to the Lord. Yield to Him. Ask Him to fill you. Ask Him to help you empty yourself of the things that keep you from Him that you might know His blessedness. He can do it for you. He will do it for you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, there's men standing down front be more than happy to direct you in the way you should go. Just give God a chance. As cold sings, would you come?